0: two ideas adrift this is uh one of your hosts Jeff milo and uh the other host chad stockers across from me he's back in town hi nice to be back chad back from five weeks of touring with steph chura and we've got a guest here in the wood paneled living room it's anna Gomolka from honey monsoon
1: hello thanks nice for Arlo. having me yeah
0: and so i was excited chad was back in town and i said chad I'd really like to interview Anna from Honey Monsoon, and Chad said, "I said, oh, I know her. And what, but, yeah, what's uh, the story? Because I worked for a cannabis
2: manufacturer of some sort. I don't know. I put mm-hmm. I put oil into cartridges, and we would sell them <laughs> to dispensaries. And you work at a dispensary in Ann Arbor. Ew, I work Near. at Home
1: of Medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a huge um, cannabis activist.
2: Right, right on.
0: on. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um." I feel like your music lends to that Yeah. Also. But I, like I think I, that's all music. I feel
1: like does. I have to write like yeah. that good like smoke and weed song right. to really be a cannabis activist in the music realm, but but I'm getting there.
2: But like there's so many different types of weed people, you know, because like Pantera doesn't relax me at all. <laughs> right. But they're like weed they're like a weed band. You right, know? Yeah. Right. And I remember being, you know, I mean, a kid in the 90s, mm-hmm. and there was a switch from Diamond Daryl to Dime Bag Daryl. Oh. <laughs> it was right around 1993 or so when, like, pot became sort of into the mainstream yeah. culturally again. Right. Where it wasn't before. Right. It was like underground, and then, like, Cypress Hill comes up, and then all of a sudden, Pantera's this weed band, and, like, everything's just sort of switched around in the 90s. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, they, but also the, um, have the <clears throat> hopefully the stereotypes have gone away in the 90s and 2000s there was the idea of the stoner and there was usually folks wearing right like um or they were playing haggy sack and oh yeah you know yeah. and they were right. you know just Patchwork half asleep pads. all the time and so that's gone away and here we are in michigan where things are different now
2: well, it's funny, too. I'm sorry. But I feel like we're, like, bulldozing this conversation. <laughs> I, mean,
1: I mean, it's true. The yeah. Grateful
2: Dead scene has always been that way. Though. Okay. There was okay. never, like, the stereotypical... De- I mean, there was a stereotypical Deadhead, but if you went to a show, mm-hmm. you'd be sitting next to a lawyer, you'd be <laughs> sitting next to, you know... Somebody, yeah. you know, like not with dreadlocks, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like Definitely,
1: they, they all have dreadlocks now. But we, we do have to culture. remember like, you know, Louis Louis Armstrong, like these people in the 40s, oh, yeah. Wipers Lounge, right. like oh, they were oh, all singing about the reefer too. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. that's
0: right. Yeah. We had to talk about Honey Monsoon though, and then we'll get into <laughs> all of that. So uh, tell us about Honey Monsoon. It started three years ago, right?
1: Yeah, Honey Monsoon started in 2016. Mm-hmm. I had like a huge party at my house because uh, I was moving out but I had a bunch of songs I would written, just stacking up all these songs, and I met Taylor, Greenshield's there, Um, and he was like, hey, I play drums. If you ever wanna jam, let's do it. So we ended up actually both being in a band for a short period of time called Funk Wagon, and we just started jamming all the time, and he would also jam on my songs, so we'd meet over in his old studio, which was in a garage,
0: and uh, that's kinda where it started. I feel like, did Funk Wagon at all appear on Bandcamp, did you put any music out? I feel like I... No, I okay. I never
1: put out any music with them. I just sang some backups for a few shows.
0: That name sounds so familiar to me. Like I saw it somewhere, probably on a show flyer or something.
1: Yeah, they play but, around.
2: Was that
0: yeah. Ipsy?
1: It was an Ipsy, yeah. yeah. Are
2: you from Ipsy originally or did you Kind just
1: live of, yeah. I grew up like in Livonia, mm-hmm. but I've I've lived in Ipsy for a while. Was living in Hamtramck for a while and then moved back recently okay. when I started working at home. Actually, so yeah,
0: yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. like right in between. Ipsy it and is Hamtramck. Yeah, so that was me making the clicky noise right there. That wasn't <laughs> sorry, Chad.
1: Yeah, um, but overall, like the band kind of formed itself. Yeah. I mean, Ian Griffiths was our initial bass player, mm-hmm. um, and it was a trio for a while, which was those were cool days. And Leo Willer, he um was a live painter, is. Still a painter, but um, right. he was live painting with us at every performance. He moved on recently, but that That's was cool. also a huge part of kind of what we did. We're all visual artists in the band, for the most part. Taylor does really cool, like, um, like trippy vibey stuff. Um, I paint a lot, yeah. Um, so we all kind of have that visual art influence, um, which is cool.
2: Yeah. So cool. who's gonna do the Who's gonna do the uh, cover? Oh, I
1: actually, yeah. So I've always done all the covers oh, for really? all the yeah. albums. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, Rose Gold, cool. I don't know why I made that one the way I did, honestly. But Opal Soul, I feel really good about that album. You like cover. that one. I do. Yeah.
0: yeah. Those are both on Spotify. If people are curious, 2017, Rose Gold. And then just late 2018, uh, Opal Soul came out.
1: 2019, March of 2019. Wow
0: should get my facts straight before we do these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you should. Yeah. But, but you don't man, have to. But, man, I mean, you like this is, Chad, a lot of people ask me because I write about a lot of bands and I listen to a lot of local music and they're always like, Jeff, what's, what's new lately? What are you, what are you listening to now? What band would you recommend? And are it's you? been Honey Monsoon constantly for my answer because it's oh so awesome and yeah. so fresh and so jazzy and so funky. And, uh, Ani, you just have a beautiful voice. Thank you. Love to hear about uh, how and when you got into music and what you started on?
1: Yeah, so um, I actually there are videos of me singing before I spoke. I would like la la la, like sing all these tunes that you know I was I was hearing around my house and stuff. Um, my parents are both musicians. Great. So my dad plays sax. Um, my uh, mom is a piano teacher. So I grew up with access to music. Um, I took some piano lessons as a kid, but piano is definitely like my first instrument outside of singing. But I started singing yeah when I was very young and my mom would have me come to the piano and like sing standards and she'd be like come sing Satin Doll and like come sing Girl from Ipanema and uh yeah so it's crazy I still like sing Girl from Ipanema today in some of my sets and it's crazy like I've been singing that my whole life you know
0: like some of us didn't it's encounter Antonio Carlos Jobim until he was 18, like me. <laughs> like so Later yeah. for me, I know. Yeah, I awesome. mean,
1: like it, it balances out though, because yeah. people are always like, "Have you heard this like legendary rock song like from Led Zeppelin or something?" Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I was like, "No, not. Right. I've, I've never heard that song before." You right. know, but I got the standards under my belt, so yeah, yeah sure, sure. It balances out for sure, but uh,
0: yeah, but sometimes rock, just like the classic '70s stuff, can be kind of pedestrian you know it's you know <laughs> chad
2: yeah i mean, it. i am like as pedestrian as it comes then that's how... <laughs> but like <clears throat> i mean you know it's power chords it's, i'm a hair it's, rocker it's arena rock. like i i listened to hair rock right. when i was in third grade right. and that's what i grew up that's what made me want to play music so motley yeah whatever motley i grew over here
0: yeah yeah. Uh,
2: let's I see. didn't even know what the bass was or, you know, like I didn't <laughs> know the difference between the two instruments, guitar and bass. <laughs> I had no idea until like sixth grade. I I mean, you know, I started playing guitar in fifth grade. Yeah. And, uh, and then we got like the good guitar player who was a few years older than us to join mm-hmm. the band because mm-hmm. he was the drummer's brother's friend <laughs> and he could like shred solos and the other guy in the band who played guitar wrote songs so he had to play the guitar so then Mm -hmm. i was like i guess i'll play bass (laughs) yeah
0: and that's how it started i had a pretty meat and potatoes rate like upbringing in the household yeah my parents weren't musicians but it was like beatles and motown and me too you can live off that but yeah i didn't find jazz or uh soul or funk until well soul with motown but you know Let's hear more about you though. How did you're also a painter and you also Yeah. Um do you do any kind of poetry though too? Tell yeah. us more. You
1: Well, you... okay. So so I'm playing piano. Yeah. I decided to stop taking lessons and I'm like turning 12 or something and I was like I think I think I want to get like a guitar. I was just like I want to get an acoustic guitar. So my mom bought me one for my birthday and I took one lesson from this guy and I didn't like it. But I had been listening to a lot of like Americana kind mm-hmm. of and I was Pretty inspired by that, pretty inspired by folk music. Cool. um And so I started like songwriting and I began writing my first songs. I actually still have them like recorded on my iPod Touch. Nice. I have to keep it plugged in if I want to like use oh, yeah. it at right. all. Like I can't <laughs> unplug it or else it'll just die. But you know, they exist there. um I should probably back those up. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, so I started doing that and then I don't know, like somewhere along there, like the poetry kind of opened up, but I've always like. I kept notebook. I've always kept journals, and those are stacked with poems. And sometimes even to this day, like if I'm searching for lyrics, like I'll revisit those mm-hmm. and just try to like gain inspiration from a verse or two. Um, yeah, poetry is a huge part of songwriting.
0: So that early part of your creative experience, would you? You know, be in your room. Would you find a place to go to be creative? Would these things come to your head and then channel them onto the page? Yeah. What was that sort of experience? Um,
1: like? I was homeschooled, so okay. I was a really lonely child, kind of. I spent a lot of time by myself, definitely a lot of time in my room, or just like in the driveway, or just like walking to the, the field across the street, or whatever. Um, so that's where I did a lot of my my initial songwriting right and creating. But yeah, I'm kind of an introvert in that way. I feel like I'm the most uh, creatively productive when I'm by myself. And that still stands today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So can you talk about, did you ever start developing a bit of a, um, an understanding of what music did for you or gave you when you, even if you just sat down to listen to it, or even if you sat down to make it, was it, you know, cause when i read about honey monsoon there's this a lot of talk about the power for music to be this sort of healing Mm -hmm. process um and just regenerating so what was that like for you when you were growing up in a homeschool situation
1: uh yeah i kind of had like a emotionally uh (laughs) crazy childhood but uh art and music were definitely that outlet for me it was the one thing i really gravitated towards i have always loved art and drawing and painting since I was, you know, a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've acquired a lot of art over the years, but yeah, that's, that's my main outlet. I mean, there's nothing that makes me feel better nothing that makes me, you know, feel more like when shit's crazy, like Mm -hmm. that's kind of what's grounding me. Um, It also is crazy though, when I can't produce that stuff, because we can't always just like be writing great music or be producing great art. And sometimes we're just making stuff and it just seems bad or it seems like nothing at all is coming out of this. Um, so that's challenging too, but I think at the end of the day it really is just about taking the time to just go inward mm-hmm. and to have those reflections and to put those out without judgment. Yeah. That vulnerability with yourself first. Right.
0: right. Um, piano, acoustic guitar, poems, singing, did you did you take any lessons? Did you just let that develop?
1: I took a couple vocal lessons in high school, but I actually have never taken um like classical vocal lessons and I would love to. It's definitely in my to-do list. Uh I know a get good get the funds
2: to do that and I know a woman. She's 70 an hour and she's in Novi. It's expensive but she's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Steph took a few from her and I went to one of her things. And she's great and she has a cute French bulldog.
0: Oh. So, Sold. Chad. Sold. Also a dog guy over here. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, we. I'll give you the information.
0: Okay, cool. That would
2: be great. Yeah, her name is Dorothy. Um,
0: I guess. Can you talk about some of your favorite music, some of your strongest influences? I mean, the word jazz comes up when we talk about Honey Monsoon. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, people love to refer to Honey Monsoon as like some sort of jazz, and as someone who I feel like I. Like they're straight ahead jazz, and we are not that, you know. Right. Like we're. I feel like if anything, we have jazz influence, which is kind of what I try to refer to it by. But mm-hmm. overall, I kind of think we're more of like a soul fusion kind of situation going on. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, my favorite music. I have so much of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to, to like pick um, multiple people, even just like a handful. It's yeah. hard to do. Um. Lately, I've just been listening to so much Badu. It's just oh, all uh, Erica Badu. That's, yeah, that's it all day.
2: She doesn't have anything new coming out, or ha- I haven't heard of her. She's in a gonna while. be
1: here on the thirty-first oh, wow. at Aretha Franklin know,
2: Theater. Does she have new material coming out? I don't know. It doesn't I don't know. really matter. At some point, yeah. you like don't have to put out new shit, and exactly. you can still sell out yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. So I've been listening to a lot of her. Um, we-
2: I was on tour and, like, we were talking about the phrasing in that Roots song, uh, over, you know. Oh, yeah, good point. It's just, like, out of this world how good she strings the words together. Yeah. You know, where like, she'll just, like... Yeah. She wouldn't... I don't know. It took me a long time to even figure out what she is saying because I, I was, like dumbfounded by how she was the, phrasing the yeah. sentence she was yeah. saying. You the know, so like, the like sentence a all it is. You know, I, you know,
1: Yeah, and just like her words, like the way she right. uses words. I don't know. She just creates a world right. out of every single song and of every uh, concept. It's crazy.
0: Kind of reminds me about what you do on Daybreak. I really like your lyrics there. Wow, and thank you. And I really you. like your phrasing and how you bend the syllables into each other. Thank you. And there's some like, there's $3 vocabularies on there too. It made me wonder like if she was into to literature and English and stuff. Cause you sound like you're a really good writer. With your words. Seriously. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Thanks. I feel like it's something I need to practice more, but I appreciate you yeah. saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. My other huge person I'm listening to right now is Georgia Ann Muldrow. If you guys don't know who she is, no. It's crazy. Like, no one knows who Georgia Ann Muldrow is, but she has this super extensive discography. She's a producer. She's a beat maker. She's a vocalist. She's everything wow. tied into one. She's so good. And um, yeah, she's like up there, I would say, with like Erica Badu with like, some of these legendary, yeah she's she's amazing so um her album early i think it's from like 2004 2005 that's kind of my favorite right now um but her most recent stuff has been more like hip-hop and now just like beats and stuff so yeah that's my jam
0: linking to her linking to her in the show notes for sure
1: yeah
0: um let's talk about the band a bit though and um songwriting process and i guess how it's changed since Rolls gold and whether or not it's changed since opal soul
1: yeah okay so um when i started honey monsoon i had never really like played with other people that much right i was just used to just like solo stuff like i hadn't really homeschooled
2: exactly (laughs) like
1: i was just my thing and like i i started to jam when i moved to ipsy and you know, me and my friends would be up late at night, you know, hanging out on the porch and just jamming. Um, but I just had all these songs and I had never had anyone like put their ideas on it. Mm-hmm. So it was a really insane experience. But I think that a lot of the music in Rose Gold is not as like interactive and collaborative as it is in Opal Soul. And I think when I was able to kind of like expand my horizons into thinking about the other instrumentation and like I don't know how I want it all to sound, just being able to delve more into the production aspect, mm-hmm. um, that really opened my mind a lot. So it's kind of a recent thing to, uh, for me to be like writing with and for other people as well. Um, I've like fallen in love with like writing horn lines, it's like mm. crazy, but also Filo Machado is a really, really huge inspiration of mine. He's a Brazilian singer, guitarist, um, vocal vocal improviser i don't know he's insane um so i've gotten a lot of inspiration from him and so that's been helping me write a lot of horn lines for the stuff that's coming out really soon um because a lot of that is definitely more drawn like the ideas are drawn from like world music right
2: on yeah. so Will you be performing then live with horn players?
1: Yeah. So we have and actually we have like recently, it's kind of a thing we do. There if it's know. like a small gig, we'll just play with just, you know, drums, yeah. guitar and, and bass. But, um, but we love having a horn or two. It just rounds out the sound a lot. And a lot of those lines like are just, they come in so, so much harder if it's not just yeah. me singing, you know, yeah. if it's me singing and horns. Yeah. Filling it up.
0: That collaborative energy. Um, yes. Is it, uh, on Opal Soul. Sign of Life, is that the song? Mm-hmm. Okay, Sign of Life is, I think, it's like a seven minute kind of a jam. And I think there's a portion where everyone gets to, there's like, everyone gets to do something. Everyone gets a solo, the guitar, yeah, the trumpet, the sax, the vibraphone. It's, yeah. make I don't know, I like that inclusive thing where yeah. everyone just comes to the front.
1: Yeah, we um, we weren't sure if we wanted that song to go first or last. A lot of times during the set, we'll play it last. But I think with the intro yeah. and everything, it just made sense for it to go first. But cool. it definitely is... Yeah, it's uh, it was a kind of last-minute decision just to have everybody... We weren't going to have four solos on it. But we just decided last minute, we couldn't decide Dig which it. which horn people we wanted to take the solo because right, it was all
2: so good. So And like in a live setting... That works out yeah, perfect, fine. Perfect. I mean, everybody exactly. loves to see every guy mm-hmm. getting their piece, right. you know. Yep. And then, um, and I think uh, I saw Cass McCombs the other like oh, few yeah. months ago cool. in Calgary, and he his first song was like a jam, and I felt yeah. like it took me way off guard because really? I didn't uh, I didn't think he was gonna be like that, you know. Yeah. Like, I didn't think it, and so I loved it mm-hmm. definitely. Um, yeah, and so I think it's kind of also a Almost like a, a shocker mm-hmm. yeah. to have something like that come first, you know.
1: It's it's pretty cool too, just like adding the elements of improvisation to our music, because that's something For that sure. recently, when playing live, we kind of have just started gravitating more to. So much more is just um, just being able to open it up and all being in communication when we do open it up and how can we each express ourselves yeah. and then bring it back together. And it's hard, but I've yeah, I've yeah. you know I love fish. <laughs> oh yeah, right on. Sure. So I feel like I've learned a I've lot. Twenty five shows. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually have never been to a fish show.
2: <laughs> I know. And it's you know like for me, I, I saw the majority of them in the nineties. Yeah. And then uh, we had like a bunch of my friends from back then, happened to come together a few years ago in Michigan, and we took a train to Chicago and saw two shows at Wrigley.
1: Oh, that's awesome! And it was great, you know, yeah. it was like a
2: reunion of friends based <laughs> around a thing that we all used to do. Yes, and that's uh, what's and so, it was really so fun. Important. And yeah. they were
0: really good. Sometimes getting into bands and getting into different genres can be like you have to develop, mm. or not develop, but learn a different language. Yes, because I remember. Yes, um, I had some friends who were into fish, and they're trying to get me into fish, so they got me a fish album, which was uh, Hoist, which is like. They're most straightforward. Yeah. Every every song is four minutes. Yeah, songy. The Welcome right. to Fish album, and then I could I could groove on Stash, which was an awesome song, but like so. some of the other stuff was hard for me to grasp because mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I learned the language. Yeah, I feel like I've gotten to now. Yeah, and I feel like through jazz. that
1: I feel like I've learned so much about improvisation, but especially 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 about like communicating and like just. Playing off of others' ideas and all just being in that same mindset, you know, so we can yeah. make it, yeah, like, cohesive.
0: When you guys do it, is it like, do you have to like talk to each other with your eyes or something? Because you can't yeah. like, I mean, right, is it like telepathy? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I bet Taylor it's, does a lot of like transitions too.
1: Yeah, I feel like Taylor and I have bonded so much over the past three years. It's like, we kind of know what's going on before yeah. we know what's going on.
2: Yeah, You've so. gone on tour?
1: Yeah. We did a small tour um after we released Opal Soul. Um booking a tour is tough. Very tough. Mm. So I'm trying to like mentally prepare myself to like book another one, but I'm just not ready to go there yet. Yeah.
2: The thing is, if you're willing to not make any money, but yeah. maybe break even, yeah. you might be able to pay somebody to do it for you. Yeah. That's true. Because they'll take fifteen percent. Of every He's got to be
1: a good person, yeah.
2: though. Yeah. No, he's got to be good, or yeah. he or she, or whoever's doing it, he's got to mm-hmm. be good at it. But you could probably find, yeah. you know, you know a thousand people who are in bands. True. And people go on tours. And like, like we don't have a booking agent, and the High Strung doesn't have a booking agent. But um, if we ever wanted to go on tour, none of us are going to book it ourselves. <laughs> you know? And all? none of us expect to make any money on tour either so we'd be like all right let's pay somebody 15 percent every show yeah and have them book us a month you know and then we'll actually go on a tour because we're we've been sitting here for 10 years not touring because we don't have a booking agent and none of us can put the kind of time into booking a tour
1: It's a lot of time.
2: Yes. So you wouldn't make as much money off of like the show's guarantees because you have a guy taking 15%. But then, you know, you get all of your own, you sell merch. Exactly. That's how you make the
1: money. I I feel like it's a lot more difficult to do that the bigger the band gets, too. You know, even with four people, it becomes difficult. But I love to travel. So I would love to, my dream right. is just kind of to be like, okay, like I have enough money to like go and just play on the street <clears throat> and to play whatever solo shows I can or duo shows or whatever, small thing, you know, and try to do it that way. Right. So, so. the reason
2: why I brought it up is because the improv becomes so much tighter. Mm. Oh, once you get on the road. you've been on the road and oh, yeah. you played every night to a different crowd. Definitely. You're like... Holy shit, good. Yeah. You know, and you like really feel the magic, the web I agree. I feel you like know?
1: being on the road's the the best experience. Feels so good. Then you book
2: <laughs> then you book book the then you book the recording time right after you get off the road. Yes. And that's you guys what's are up. like slaying it. You know? <laughs> One takes
0: incredible shit. And, you know. And what was that experience like going from a solo creator out into the world playing for an audience? um playing in venues um and Mm. what was it like also as a solo creator going out and getting collaborators now and finally getting a an opportunity to bounce ideas
1: yeah i feel like i've been blessed to find just like the coolest people to collaborate with um i i love doing the majority of the work it's weird but i have like weirdly high expectations for everything i do it's it's like borderline a problem, but not really, because doing things well is great. (laughs) So then I put a lot of the pressure on myself to like make things perfect, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I found a great group of people that like know how to work with me through that and like know how to pick up the loose ends that you know, that I can't. So uh, yeah, that's been great. Um, I love performing. I always have. It's just, it's my jam. And with more people doing it with me, it's Mm -hmm. even more fun and I could literally do it every day of my life. Yeah. Like I just, I just want to be there, hanging out on the stage with a bunch of people and singing them songs. Like yeah. that's it, yeah. Wow, I could do it every day.
0: This is gonna sound cheesy, but the, I hear that in your voice when I hear it on a recording. You just For sound sure. like a person who loves music. I love it comes it so through much in your voice. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's also like your the energy you're putting with, out with your voice is positive. I guess in general. Hey. Not like a melancholic folk song or something, you know? Yeah.
1: I, I used to write a lot of a lot of melancholic folk oh, yeah? songs. Yep. A okay. lot of it. Just a lot of like sad music, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's like eventually like I just I don't wanna be this sad, you know. And right. then it's like aligning I'm trying to align my life purpose with music and mm-hmm. so that can't be like a super depressing thing. Like right. at some point yeah. it had to like move past that so then I was in this huge phase where I was trying to like write songs for the world like Mm -hmm. write songs to inspire the world Mm -hmm. and like was working for a while but now I'm just kind of back and like I write a lot of like like metaphorical stuff it's Mm -hmm. like I want everyone to interpret it in their own way and Mm -hmm. like you might not know what these lyrics mean but like you will if you listen enough you know so yeah
2: it's uh you know you're like maturing (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly um (laughs) (laughs) you know
0: Another thing I wanted to ask about is I'd read another interview where you talk about how certain songs make you see colors or you think of them as colors. And that reminded me of like synesthesia and things like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I definitely like I I think a lot of like my um, like visual art background kind of comes into play Mm -hmm. in that. But yeah, they all definitely have their own like feeling or like sensation that I instantly associate
0: with them. Yeah, I think that, like, I don't, if I don't remember this, I don't, just don't think it happens enough. When Honey Monsoon said, yes, we're going to do shows where there's live painting. I was like, that's the most refreshing thing I've ever heard. Why doesn't more people do that? It makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, it was crazy, you know, when Leo left the band. It was, like, super weird, but I've actually... It's cool um, that
2: you consider him, like, part of the band.
1: Yeah, I mean, he Mm -hmm. played, he... Did it with us every single show Mm -hmm. since like day one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and obviously like we all have obligations and things to do like, you know, that y'all got to switch our stuff up eventually. But there was this show um, at Tangent Gallery. Mm -hmm. It was like some small show. I forget what it was. And our friend Laura booked us. It was like this four hour gig. And we were like, let's do it like yeah. right, so we brought like all the weed we had and we were uh-huh. just like all right i was gonna play for four <laughs> right. hours like we're gonna take like two breaks it's gonna be fine it's what fish would do and there was oh, yeah. like this moment where i was just like painting and singing and that was it what? and then like drums came in <laughs> and that, cool. yeah and like yeah. i actually have a video of it but it was like it was like, holy shit this yeah. is awesome um, so I've actually been really inspired by that whenever I think about how can we bring this artistic aspect back into Ani monsoon but I also want to like work on some props which I've mm-hmm. kind of been talking about for a while get some props on stage you know kind mm-hmm. of make it more like
2: theatrical multimedia. yeah, I was a theater
1: kid and I feel right. like if I can tie that back in to the performance, I think that'd be
2: awesome That's so great.
1: hopefully yeah. I'm gonna do some of that.
2: Same. Uh so you lived in Hamtramck mm-hmm. and and when the band was happening during that time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the band so- never stopped. Yeah. Okay. And so do you notice like a big difference do you, between like that Ipsy Ann Arbor area and oops, sorry, Chad the bumped Detroit, the mic. That time. I bumped the mic. This time, All right, time. that's okay, Chad. Sorry, Continue two with your beers question. in and it's n- before <laughs> five p.m. Chad had a great setup. Keep going, so Chad. What happens? Traffic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know. Mean, I was like that was a good setup. Yeah. Fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So do you notice like a difference? Because um, Detroit, it generally, I mean, in my mind, because I'm older, mm-hmm. uh, is like a very rock. Right. based town um, but I guess hip hop and techno though hip hop and, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and techno and so obviously like there's, yeah. So, yeah. there's yeah. all sorts of stuff I guess in just my mind because where I come from is mostly the rock thing do well, you but know do you, do, did you feel like uh, you know your reception for what you're doing is better in one city or another you know I feel inspired
1: by the uh, the amazing and positive female musicians hmm. that exist um primarily in Detroit I feel like in Ann Arbor and Ipsy right. it's always been a very welcoming scene but honestly like it's a bunch of like white guy jam bands right. Like, sure right and mm. that's awesome like I mean it's a great community and they've always been so supportive of just any music that's coming through and it's always like how can we help our fellow musicians out regardless of genre regardless of anything so I feel thankful for that mm-hmm. but I feel like it's been difficult for me to find like you know that Niche spot in either city, right? But I have ties in both, and yeah, I, right I love on. both places, and I feel like
2: like when you're on people a bill. are
1: receptive to our music,
2: <clears throat> yeah. In but either you place. might play with like a garage rock band and a hip hop band on a bill, or you know, like yeah. how does it work? You know, um, like we just you know
1: kind of book carefully, yeah. You book know, caref- yeah. There okay. are like there are other bands that are kind of playing our. Our genre, somewhere yeah. up yeah. that alley, that same vibe, that same mindset. So we try to book with them a lot. Honestly, like we haven't really played like a, like a show in a, in a while that was like a lineup that we kind of put together. Mm-hmm. And like we had, it's been a while since we've done that. Honestly, the last
0: one was probably our release show in March. Right on. right but, on. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, talk about, I guess, getting um, collaborators. So, you know, I'm just thinking about your, if you're in your youth creating solo in a room and then talk about getting into a room with other people and creating with them and what that was like to get used to that.
1: Um, I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so thankful to, especially Ian and for like just his patience and like me just like, you know, bridging that gap between being a solo performer and then collaborating with others, um, for the sake of performance. Like, I don't know. I, definitely had to like change the way i thought about you know how i was voicing different chords and things like that um overall like i think my songwriting has developed in the same way that it normally would um i guess i did like adapt more to having more people playing you know but yeah overall i think it's it's kind of allowed me to expand my ideas more and to kind of let my imagination run wild with how i want the music to sound at the end of the day
0: this is a, this is an abstract question because it kind of asks you to sort of step outside of yourself. But are you at all aware of like the headspace you like to get into when you are creating, you know, and has that changed Ooh. at all?
1: Yeah, I had this awesome experience at um, Divine Pine Gathering, which is a festival in Brooklyn, Michigan. And so like, OK, so normally like I might try to like get in the zone before I play or like, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know I, I like to be in a clear headspace one where I feel like I can like communicate effectively through music but at Divine Pine they were doing a bunch of like energy work and stuff so I had like energy work done that day like the day before i had like gone on like a little trip and I had like been out like did some acid I was like canoeing on this like super cool lake and then the next day like I got this energy work done and like this crazy like cranial massage and I was and then like this lady did some 5d work on me and she was like you have like a lot of ancestral trauma and like you need to chill before you go on stage Mm. and I just like walked back to my tent and just started like crying like (laughs) sobbing like I wasn't sad or anything it was just like release and I was just like in my tent like oh shit like like just yeah and then I went on stage and I just like performed and it was the most beautiful thing and then I actually improvised with my friend Andrew Brown Django his, his band they were there and they played after us and I improvised with them and I was like my It was like I was a hollow you were reed. Like on
2: like a, oh, yeah. I was like
1: jumping up and you down in, and like scatting, shit. and like yeah. I did not know what was going on. It was crazy.
0: To to go from that cathartic yeah. release. That's the
1: headspace that I'm trying to be in all the time. Wow. <laughs> to, yes.
0: Oh, that sounds like adrenaline. Yeah. It was wow. crazy. <laughs> I'm just trying to like put myself there and feel all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really powerful, but it also like reminded me of the space that I can be in yeah. every time I play music. Well, I I want I think ritual here, like,
2: has yeah. a lot to do with, you know, like putting yourself in the best space to perform every, in, especially when you're doing it like constantly every night, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah. I haven't developed much past a beer and a shot, yeah. you mm-hmm. know? Exactly. But I know like other people I know do transcendental meditation, mm-hmm. you know? 30 minutes before they play Mm -hmm. other people like like weed or whatever you know so i think there's something to that you know yeah like you find what you need to do to get there every night
1: yeah our ritual used to be to like smoke a big fatty before we like played shows but then the guys started getting mad because i would just like get really silly on stage and just like (laughs) say weird things like
2: dude you know you know, my buddies, my, <laughs> I was out of town, but some of my friends saw Herbie Hancock the last time he was here. Yeah. You know, Kamasi Washington. Yeah, I was and, there too. Yeah. And, and I saw Herbie, I think it was probably, at this point, I think it was 16 years ago at the Jazz Fest. Okay. And I thought he was terrible. I thought he played horribly. <laughs> wow. Like, it just like the songs that he chose to pay, like, play were terrible. The But the best part about the show was in between songs when he was so obviously high and hilarious in between songs. And he was so funny just the way he was like sort of riffing about shit in between tunes. Right. And that was amazing. And I forget why I just, why did I just bring that up?
0: But, uh, uh being silly on stage but you know high on stage yeah I think it's that good that show it that was the when only he thing I liked was so
1: awesome though Terrace Martin yeah oh my god. it's
2: good okay and I'm glad awesome. that
1: that is he played good. Come Running To Me Sunlight yeah. is my favorite Herbie Hancock album yeah maybe alright. not my favorite I have so many favorites but Sunlight the well, we themes saw, in that album I saw him at
2: the Jazz Fest and he was he did like a Stevie Wonder cover where the bass player sang and it was just like nobody needs to hear that you know like i just thought it was i i was unimpressed unfortunately wow unimpressed uh obviously i love herbie hancock you know (laughs) but and so it was kind of disappointing to me to see like he was just like adding too much cheese to it Mm -hmm. and that might just be a jazz fest thing yeah i don't know so but, maybe on his own. head spaces in general fascinate right. me. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Head spaces in general. And the big fatty and makes you goofy. <laughs> I guess
0: whatever feels right. It was right. the only good thing about it him. It is whatever, whatever feels goofy. right. I guess whatever feels right for, I guess, prepping your brain, yeah. maybe? It's like a and brain thing. And I think that thing.
1: ritual has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Like, I definitely still yeah. haven't developed a ritual, but I think that'd be a great thing for like most creators to do, you know? just to allow ourselves to just uh, express ourselves freely and not to have like all that baggage from the day. Cause like, honestly, like sometimes, oh yeah, we played at PJ's Lager House actually with Volley Paula and Modern Element. It was a super awesome show. Mm -hmm. Um, But I totally drove like straight from work and then like got on stage. Strange. Yeah. yeah it was just like yeah. so weird. It was just like, <laughs> oh yeah, I just worked like an eight hour day and like right. not even decompressing just like in my car, like trying to Amazing. drive eighty five miles an hour like then the
0: the, the, the set is like just an extension of your work day at that point,
1: yeah Almost. it was you know? cool, but it, it definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was yeah it was it was still a really good show though and a good set, but it wasn't like maybe the best it could have been
0: painting sculpting. Tell me more about your other oh, creative yeah. pursuits.
1: I recently started sculpting. That's awesome. Yeah, I is it clay or clay? Yeah, well, yeah. uh, modeling clay. Huh. Uh, I was like obsessed with it for a while. I was just like making like little heads. Yeah. there were just so many heads all over the place I and mean, my <laughs> cool. roommates were just like oh this is what Anna's wow. doing now it's just heads everywhere and then I'd be like this head sucks and then I'd have so much fun just like dropping it just like smashing it <laughs> I'd be like, yeah like, let's make another one oh, that's um, interesting. yeah and then I, I moved I haven't like set up my like sculpting area yet um, the place I've been living for the past few months but I have this really cool idea right now to make this key sculpture. So I have all these like keys on my keychain. I'm just like I don't even know what these keys are for. Right. Like I have no idea anymore. They're just like 20 extra keys I don't need. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a key sculpture. It's gonna be really cool. Send, Sounds good. send you a picture or something.
0: Sure, <laughs> it's tangible art. It's 3D. It's yeah, not on canvas. And that's
1: yes. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. Yeah, because that was something that really drew me to it was that um i actually started sculpting because i just felt like i could not write Mm -hmm. and it was just like it was honestly like messing me up like Mm -hmm. i was just i felt so bad i just couldn't produce any music like i couldn't even take the time to like sit down and just like practice keys for 30 minutes that day or whatever like so i and then painting like wasn't really flowing like i just felt like everything i painted was bad and so i my friend like brought over some clay or something like that. And I, I started working with it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like exactly what I want to do just because of like the tangibility of it. It's like, it's not some like abstract thing that I have mm-hmm. to like draw from my mind. It's just something that kind of like comes together in your hands, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It brought me a lot of peace. Yeah. yeah.
0: The impression is instant. Your yeah. Thumb going down. You can see exactly what you yeah. just did. Exactly. Um, before I run out of questions, I wanted to ask about, I guess, the song creation process again, and especially something mm. like the song, uh, Who Are You? Who You Are. Who You, who you Are. Yeah, I'm messing my facts up, Chad. So Who You Are. Should we do a little edit right there? <laughs> no, keep it. Right, keep it all in post. So Who You Are is a track on Opal Soul, I think the second to last track. Um, and I guess there's just that middle period where you just all sounded like you fell into for lack of a better word, a groove or a zone. Um, and your vocal melody, which doesn't have lyrics to it, is matching the music. And I just thought that was such a beautiful moment. And I wondered how things like that uh, manifested in the studio if it was written or if it just happened. And how much is written and how much happens.
1: Everything is written.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Wow. I like to think about all the stuff that's, you know, that's obviously like, textures and things like that that might come more during like the production aspect but like that part was completely written um it didn't have horn lines originally Mm -hmm. uh actually interestingly enough a lot of the songs for opal soul were actually written last year around the same time pretty much almost all of them Mm -hmm. um except for who you are and um i think it's just who you are Possibly, but that song actually was was written like way before that. It was actually might have been around even when we released Rose Gold, mm-hmm. but it just developed a little bit. But that line really stayed true to itself. Yeah. Um, I feel like each song comes about differently. Sometimes they come out as like one fluid idea, and mm-hmm. it's just like a fifteen minute voice memo, and then it's like there, yeah, you know. And sometimes it's more like um, a like I think this is how Who You Are actually came about is like a piece that I had written and then like a couple weeks later, whatever, I write something else and then I'm like, oh, like that fits actually perfectly with this. Sometimes I even force it to fit and then like adjust it however is necessary if I'm really hearing it, but yeah, like sometimes they just like piece together like that and I think Who You Are is kind of, uh, it's an interesting song of ours because it is just kind of, it's like a piece of patchwork, you know? Yeah. But it fits together wow. somehow.
0: And I just—that's crazy because I thought it was like a free-flowing, just jam, and I thought it was just this adventurous thing, and yet we like to pull the wool over your eyes, Jeff. Yeah, I know. You know. I'm not a songwriter, but you yeah. guys always fool me. We fool you. Yeah. Um. That's beautiful. <laughs> but that also ties into why this like podcast is called what it is, because those are ideas that were adrift that you yeah. <laughs> captured. That you captured yeah. with. Uh, yeah. A metaphorical butterfly net. Yeah. I.e., a phone sometimes. So, yeah. You know. And
1: um, sign of life is actually a similar situation yeah. because I had written the intro part, the looking for a sign, looking for sign of life. I had written that part. Um, and then Sam joined our band like maybe August of last year or something like that. And he came over and we just did like a one off jam and we like decided to record it. Yeah. And it was the solo part. Mm. of Sign of Life. That's mm-hmm. what it, like, turned into because it fit perfectly cool. with that part I had written before. Oh, cool. So. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. 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 Yep. Great Have cable. you ever heard television's first album, Marky Moon? Do you know that? I don't think so. Because everything we were talking about keeps leading me back to that because they, before they recorded their first album, they toured a bunch, you know, and mm-hmm. so, like, when they went in to make that album, it was, like, telepathy, you know? Yeah. yeah and you can hear
0: it. And so they were a, uh, a quote unquote punk band from CBGBs. But and if you listen to the record, it sound like sounds punk. brilliant. That's no way that that is punk. And that must be why they were able to workshop that stuff.
2: Yeah. I just, I don't know exactly. You know, they, they just were around, they were in New York at the time where punk was punk. So, right. and they knew those people, but it doesn't sound like punk. It's, yeah. You know, new wavy i guess a rock but, <laughs> but there's like a few tunes there's one song on there, marky moon the album title song it's 12 minutes long or seven mm-hmm. minutes long it's every long. track is four minutes except yeah. for that one and there's like jamming you know right. you could hear yeah. this band who had, like, toured these songs, you know, and then recorded them right away. Yeah,
1: that's what's yeah. up. Yeah, the
2: problem is, is their second album was recorded six months later, and it's just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I think it ruined their career. Uh, like, right off the bat. It end. is, like, a
0: second record. There's a record, few cool tunes, but Yeah, other um, than
2: that, it's just, like, does not hold a candle compared to that first record. Yeah. That's funny. I never
0: I sat down and wrote and solidified what my top ten albums of all time are, but... That's on there. Marquee Moon is oh yeah somewhere that's one of in there.
2: My favorite records of all time.
0: Um, but we're, that's a tangent. So, you know, <laughs> since we were talking about unpacking all of the ways that Opal Soul was created, anyone finishing this podcast should just go listen to it right now. Um, but before we let you go, are you guys working on anything? Like, have you like? Can you talk about the songs that have been happening after Opal Soul and what those are like?
1: Yeah. Um, so the song that we're currently working on recording is called Soul Samba and it's just got a lot of like, um, I don't know how to explain it. It started out kind of as this like samba jam, this kind of like, I don't know. It's a really like, uh, it's a song about introspection. It's mm-hmm. a song about finding yourself and mm-hmm. taking that time and searching for it. Um, and then the other songs are kind of like in a similar realm. I can't talk too much about sure, them, sure. but Honestly, I don't know how to explain them. Wait, let's rewind but, this part. Don't put this part in there. It's okay, just okay. being like, well, what am I going to
0: say? No, sure. Um, I think what I do want to talk about, and you could talk, you could talk about uh, a little bit about Soul Samba, is that what I appreciate about your songs is just that I feel better after listening to them. Mm. And I feel like that's intentional. Can you talk about that and how it might inform the next songs you write?
1: Yeah, um, I think music is supposed to feel good. Yeah. Um so I never want anyone to feel bad yeah. after like listening to my music, but, um, but yeah, I, I think there's something really powerful, um, and there are a lot of messages to be said. Um, so I just hope to communicate those the most yeah. effective way. Like,
0: yeah, but it can even just be in the tones that you choose. Um, mm-hmm. the key that you play in, it's all crucial in the design. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. I, I, I just want people to like feel the same sensation that I feel when I make the music. Yeah. Um, so I think just staying true to that original idea, uh, because usually like that's where the healing lies, right? Um, so I think a lot of times just remembering my intention for the song, yeah, is, is really important. Yeah, and and you know, speaking of Soul Samba, the yeah. song that we're working on recording right now, mm-hmm. um, we actually have the demo pretty much set, and I told Taylor a couple days ago to like take out all the words. Yeah. I was like, I just these aren't the words. Like yeah. I have to like start over. And normally I would have like some sort of like trepidation about that. And I would kinda of be like, Oh my gosh, this seems like so last minute. How am I gonna, you know, rewrite all the lyrics to this song? But it feels really natural for me. So I'm kinda of just kinda of go with that intuition. Mm-hmm. Um and hopefully find a more like clear message to put through the song. So yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, stay Beautiful. tuned for that.
0: Yeah. This has been an awesome conversation with Anagamoka of Honey Monsoon. We had a few tangents about Motley Crue and television, <laughs> but it's so good to be back in the wood-paneled room. And Chad, <laughs> Chad, thanks again. Um, I think we should sample some of, some of who you are on the way out and uh, find Honey Monsoon.